0: Traxel and good morning, everybody. It's so good to see everyone, it's so good to be here. And my goodness, what we have already gathered from this, from this event has been amazing. Last night, Brother Traxel being vulnerable to us, talking about being an imposter. And then this morning, Brother Snitzer always just just floods our hearts with, with ambition. And then Brother Voskus, just my mind's just going mission, 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 mission. Yeah. And um, I feel like that we, we have got a lot of momentum going down the Audubon, and, and my subject is going to kind of take us off a ramp here yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. So but, but, but it is important because um, it takes finances and it takes generosity to move the mission forward. It's yeah. just, it's just yeah. Yeah. where we're at, and that's what, how God has chosen for us to do it. But I give everyone honor. I appreciate Brother Traxel and the Missions America team the great work that uh, he's doing and they're doing and I'm trying to help them do and we're just grateful for the chance uh, to be able to be here to honor all of you for being here as well. Amen. Amen. Um, So for those of you that don't know me, just a real quick little introduction. Uh, uh, I've been working in church ministry since I was 16 years old. I'm 59 now so it's been a pretty good amount of time and uh, uh, serve brother Mark McCool on the Tri-State District Board. and so was ordained in 1992, my, my education is in business administration, is where that's at, and so my family has been through the years, uh, entrepreneurs and business owners. My father started uh, our flagship, I guess you could call it business, in uh, uh, 1979, and so we have done multiple things since then. Um, my wife, Sister Vickers, she has her own successful business, she's had it for over 20 years. Uh, so we're just we're just busy in in those type of things and uh, my uh, two boys chase and Isaac um, They're both married now. We've got a new daughter-in-law in July sister Shinola. Um And so uh, I got some really good news for brother Chase and sister Bailey just this week They informed me and sister Jenny that we're going to be grandparents oh, for the very my. first time Hey so, so I have always heard this that a grandfather is someone who carries pictures in his billfold where his money used to be. So I'm going to enjoy that and make that a reality. So we're very excited about that. But I, my uh, objective today is to, to add some value yes. to your life. There we go. I want to uh, to add value to your natural life, which in turn will add value to your spiritual life. And so, in full disclosure. I'm not a certified financial advisor, and I'm not a certified tax advisor. I want you to know that, but I am a long, long time student, and I'm an experiencer of business and investing and so forth. I've experienced the good, uh, and I've experienced the bad, so I've, I've had a little bit of all of it. And in a church setting like we're in today, uh, talking about personal finances and generosity, These are two subjects that have been reluctantly and thinly taught and thinly discussed, uh, and that's very understandable uh, because pastors are uh, uncomfortable and reluctant to talk about the subject of money, so that makes sense. But these these subjects are extremely important, as, as we'll talk about today. Money is one of those rare, rare things in life that we interact with every single day. Every single day. There's not many things that, that 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 happens to you like that in life. So that's one of the reasons why it's important. And without kingdom generosity by God's people, then then Brother Allen, there wouldn't be any funded missions america works there wouldn't be any adoptive city works without the generosity of god's people right. there wouldn't be any uh, financially supported foreign missionaries if it wasn't for god's blessing and god's yeah. people being generous and as a matter of fact um, it it takes money for us to be here today right. and without the blessings of god and smart aspects of people's money management and generosity all of our churches would have to close down Right, because we would have no finances to, to keep them open. So that's reasons why these things are so important. Uh, you know, we can't even move from place to place. Brother Art and I rode together over here this morning. We spent money to come over here. We we can't we we had breakfast this morning and we'll have lunch here in just a few moments. We can't do that without a transaction being involved. We can't hardly do anything except maybe breathe and smile that doesn't involve money to some extent so money is like oxygen it's never thought about while it's present but it becomes the only thing in mind when it's lacking right? right. <laughs> come on now! <laughs> so yes we, we daily interact and transact with money as a church, as a family and as an individual every single day so why shouldn't it be talked about right, in a wise manner we should talk about it. and uh, So here's another reason to talk about it, that we all have a tendency to misbehave when it comes to our money. Brother uh, Batson and I were talking about Colonel Littleton, and, and he said, you need to go to that store. Well, I know if I do, I'm going to misbehave with my money while I'm there, but it's a good thing. So money just has a way of impacting our lives, our attitudes, our mindsets, and even our anxiety levels. Can I get a witness, right? Yes, Unfortunately, we can say this: that poor financial management is also one of the top three reasons. This is for the people in your church. is one of the top three reasons for marital problems. is bad money management. <laughs> so, as, so as for me, and all these truths we're talking about, make money management and generosity, and personal finance, is very important topics. So this session, of course, is in no way about getting wealthy. I don't even want you to think, think that. <laughs> but it is important to know something, as we're trying to, to learn today, that wealthy people don't work very hard for money. They don't do it. They actually let their money work for them. And uh, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Everybody knows the company Coca-Cola. The C- I read this the other day. Coca-Cola's CEO earns $25 million a year. And he works about 70-plus hours a week. That's $480,000 a week the CEO of Coca-Cola makes. Warren Buffett owns 3% of Coca-Cola. Oh, yeah. But he receives in dividends every year, pieces of their profit that they send to him because he's a stockholder. He makes $218,000,000 a year, which is $4.2 million a week Warren Buffett makes, and he works zero hours for Coca-Cola. So on a much smaller scale, none of us are Warren Buffett, none of us are CEOs of large corporations, so let's reduce that way on down. Is that kind of thing possible for us And the good news is, yes it is, it absolutely is. Amen. Before we uh, go much further, I think it would be important for us to address the elephant in the room. And the elephant is something that Paul wrote to Timothy in his first letter to him, chapter number 6, verse number 10, Paul said, for the love of money, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But notice that Paul didn't say to him, the wise stewardship of money is the root of all evil. It is the love of money. It's when you fall in love with it. And here's how you'll know someone is deeply in love with money. It's because they struggle when there's a need presented. When someone has a need and someone's reluctant and you know they're capable, you, you begin to pick up on the fact that there's a love for it. If people ignore the needs of the local church, people ignore the needs of missionaries or even the community, then that's when that love of money kind of flashes. But but uh, to be able to steward our lives and steward our finances is not doesn't fall into the category of, of being pierced asunder with many sorrows. But people that love it and ignore people, they're going to end up miserable along the way. We see that all the time. So, so the question here, I think, is can we strike a healthy balance? We've got love of money and we've got stewardship of money. Can we strike a healthy balance that God would be pleased with? And I think the answer is yes, we can. Yes, we can. So let's take a look at a couple of things that the wisest man in the Bible, King Solomon, A couple of things that he said. The first is a verse in Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 22. 13 and 22. He says, A good man, a good man, leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. In Proverbs 21 and 20, he makes this statement, There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. But a foolish man spendeth it up. So I've got a couple of thoughts here. My first thought is this. It's impossible to leave a financial inheritance to your grandchildren if you don't build one. A good man, he said, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And if we don't build it, we can't leave it. The second thought I have is that Solomon draws a very clear line of distinction between the wise and the foolish. Very clear line of distinction. He says the wise possess treasure and oil which in his day were mediums of exchange. That was currency for him. So a wise man holds on to his currency but a foolish man, there's that distinction, distinction. a foolish man spendeth all his currency. So clearly we want to be on the side of the wise there. So as we move through this real quickly today, I'm going to paint with a really broad brush. I'm going to touch on a lot of different things about personal finance. Uh, So the depth is going to be shallow, but but of course, any time this weekend, uh, if you you have some questions, I'll be happy to uh, sidebar stand and we'll talk about it uh, as long as you want to. I'd be happy to do that and entertain a question or two here at the end. So here we go. For the sake of time... I think every one of us here understand and completely believe and teach that tithe and offering are the, are the two most important things when it comes to our finances. I think we all are there already. So let's, let's start after that, assuming that's priority number one. We're, we're all on top of that. Every saint of God in your churches, I believe, need to hear things like I'm getting ready to say right now. It is a very, very, very sad thing for people to work all week long, 40, 50 hours, and get paid on Friday to have to turn around and give that money to someone else. That is a sad, sad thing. What are you talking about, Brother Vickers? I'm talking about expenses equaling or possibly exceeding income. When your mortgage, your car payment, your fuel, your groceries, your power bill, your diapers, and all those things are equal to Or, God forbid, greater than your income. And that's when debt, bad debt has to come into play. Every saint of God needs to hear that uh, and be able to make some adjustments. So this is elementary, uh, but we have to be extremely prudent making sure that our expenses are less than our income. We can't can't be misbehaving all the time when it comes to that. And uh, so... You don't, you don't want this to be asked of you, nor do anybody that you pastor. Somebody ask you, what do you bring home at the end of the month? And your response is, crippling depression.
1: <laughs>
0: because there's nothing left. And we're pulling out that credit card to pay that last bill because we just can't get there. Amen. So after you prepare your tithing offering, and this is, this is for you and for your saints that you're pastoring. This is my thoughts. Saving a portion of your income should be a non-negotiable. Saving a piece of your income should be a non-negotiable. Uh, here, here's a little saying to put in your pocket. Don't save what's left after spending. Spend what's left after saving. That's Amen. That's, That's People don't do it. They don't do it that way. They do it the exact opposite of that. So at all costs, Christians must avoid living above our means. And uh, you know this, but just let me say it, that every saint of God in all of your churches are living every single day in the world of income and expenses. That's where they live every single day. And so they need some education about this subject. The first step is to make sure you have enough money room money room between your income and your expenses to be able to pay yourself and isn't that a isn't that a funny sounding phrase pay yourself because you're thinking i get paid it on the end of the i get paid but i'm talking about income that you have earned that you're going to keep isn't that a foreign thought money that you're going to keep because we're talking about building an inheritance a wise man a good man will do that paying yourself first prioritizes savings just like your mortgage or your rent or your utility bill. Paying yourself first should be non-negotiable, should be a priority in your life, a mandatory expense that you should self-impose upon yourself. Mm-hmm. All right? So I want to share this story with you. This, is, uh, this happened, uh, a gentleman, a friend of mine by the name of Curtis, he, uh, I had gotten him to come to church, and he, he came for several months. He came to my office one day to talk to me about his financial situation, and, and uh, he was 50 years old. He was struggling, and so we began to talk, and uh, I said, Curtis, how much, how much money have you earned in your lifetime? And so he was 50 and started working at 18, so you know, we did some easy math there, and we took the years that he's been working with what his average income would be over that period of time, and so Curtis in his lifetime had handled between three quarters of a million and a million dollars. He had handled that much money. And I said, Curtis, what do you have now? And the look on his face was haunting as he looked at me square in the eye and he said, I don't have anything. I said, you don't have nothing? He said, I don't have anything. How sad is that? But it's a lack of education it's a lack of education because schools don't do a good job of teaching people how to work with their finances they teach everything else such as art history what do i need to know about that picture there's only one of them hanging in paris what do i need to know about how's that going to affect my life and then they don't want to take time to teach us about how to use our personal finances and on top of that don't be offended at me, but the church has been reluctant to ease into these areas as well because it just don't feel That's it's right. it feels taboo yeah. so Curtis was an economic fatality thirty two years of working and making a living, and nothing left at the end of thirty two years an economic fatality um, so so this might strike a little bit of a deep nerve but let me say this that as as the church as a whole we can't afford a generation of economic fatalities yeah. the kingdom can't you know god can do anything i know he can put a, he can put tax money in a fish's mouth i know that but we there's no reason for us to have a generation of economic fatalities the reason that some people are are called correctly called self-made millionaires or self-made multimillionaires. here's the reason. This is gonna blow your mind, here it is. They have kept a lot of what they've earned. I know that blows people's mind, right? Kept a lot of what we've earned. Because we're always spending it. But that's the only reason somebody would be called that is because they have kept that much money of what they have earned. Think about the potential generosity there, right? If somebody's been a good steward, and they've kept. Think about the potential of the generosity. It's crazy, I know. If a person earns, on average, $50,000 a year, I don't know what the median income would be in any of your cities, but let's say someone earned $50,000 a year over 20 years, that's a million dollars that they would have earned in 20 years. So let's do a little private exercise here, okay? Let's let's do this in our minds, this private, So so let's take a moment here, and you think about your life. You think about your years that you have been working, pastoring working, or bivocational pastoring working. Think about the years that you have worked, and think about what your average income has been over that time period. And then in your mind, just real quick, add those, multiply those two things. How many years, how many decades, how much money? Let me give you just a couple seconds. Multiply that out. And so now, let me ask you privately, in your mind, how much of what you have earned have you kept? So, hopefully hopefully it's not crippling depression, right? How much have you kept? So here, a great rule of thumb is for us to save, it's a rule of thumb, to save 10% of what we earn. After you You put your 10% back for your tithe and whatever your pastor teaches, preaches, five, let's say five percent for offerings, and you add the ten for tithe, the five for offerings, and the ten that you're paying yourself, that leaves you seventy-five percent of your income to pay for your wants and to pay for your needs. That's not a bad deal and you're saving 10%, you're paying yourself something that you're going to keep for a long, long time. And you might disagree with me, but I think God would be proud of us if we were able to save 10% of what we earned after we gave, paid Him His 10 and gave the offering of 5. So if someone is not able to, to quite do that, if everything is, is tight, let me give you five really quick steps here to get some money room in your budget so that you can pay yourself 10%. Number one is you just got to figure out a way to cut some expenses. And there's always somewhere to cut expenses. Always. I was just driving down here, Brother Art, on my way, and I was just thinking about some of my, some of my stupid bills, right, that I could cut out and there would be some more there for me to put back or for me to invest. There's always some place to cut in your expenses you got to be careful with what i call foolish spending and we all do it you say i don't have i i can't save ten percent i can't even save five percent but we have foolish spending uh, and i i call it uh, Brother brother i think likes this phrase i call it turning cash into trash yeah, right. yeah. so so let's say for instance you have 25 beautiful dress shirts hanging in your closet and you're you're just uh, uh, walking around the mall with your wife and there's a there's a dress shirt. It's purple. It's pretty... Good. <laughs> you ain't got a purple one. You know, it's a pretty purple shirt. It's been $70. They got it marked all the way down to 25 And you've got 25 hanging in the closet. But hey, I'm going to buy that purple shirt, take it home, hang it up. And my, my wife tells me, there's a rule in our house. If you buy a new shirt, you got to get rid of it. you got to take two to the Goodwill. Yeah. So I have to really think about it. You know, what two shirts am I going to get rid of? But turning cash into trash is you have to cut some expenses let me give you an illustration where we live they they built a brand new call co- a drive through coffee shop called scooters and it, it some of you are shaking your heads um so I, honestly it's less than a minute from my driveway and so as they were building it we were like man this is going to be amazing you know before we even get out hardly out of the neighborhood we're going to be able to grab a cup of coffee so here the grand opening sign came up and, and my youngest son 22 years old at the time he's he pulled up there and he looked at that menu and he said man he said let me have an everything bagel look down there he said a cinnamon bun and give me two cinnamon buns because I'll, I'll eat one later today. Give me two cinnamon buns, of everything bagel, and one of them frappy, slappy, happy deals you got there. And, and, and they said to him, scoot on around.
2: Yeah,
0: that uh, scoot scooter, scoot on around. So he scooted on around. And he got up there and he looked at that lady. How are you doing? Thank you for being here. she said, that'll be $31. Oh, yeah. Well, that's turning cash into trash. Yes, Needless to say... <laughs> My 22-year-old boy don't he don't scoot into scooters very much anymore. He he's a little wiser than that. And what I thought was going to be a nice little stop, you know, we just don't do that very much, you know. But it's just a great illustration. Cut expenses. You just simply got to cut some expenses. Number two is pay down bad debt. Yeah, yeah. Pay down bad debt. The Bible says that, which is the our master teacher says that the borrower is servant to the lender. Why does the Bible say that? Because every time that you borrow. Every time that you borrow, you're giving up some of your economic freedom. Every time you borrow, every time you pull that credit card out and go a little deeper in debt, you're giving up some of your economic freedom. Now, I like to read about Warren Buffett. I think he's pretty interesting. He's an older man that's made just made billions of dollars in investing. Got some folksy sayings, and he says, if you find yourself in a hole, quit digging. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, huh.
0: Right, and every time we—if you don't have it—and you pull that card out and waste some cash, you know it's just going in a backwards direction. So you got to—you got to work to pay off that bad debt. Now, some financial advisors teach pay off pay off the highest interest-bearing bad debt first, uh, and that's okay. It's probably a good idea. I like to tell people to pay off the smallest bad debt first, and and so once you. You're talking about some endorphin releases and some dopamine release. When you see that thing go to zero, hey, man, I accomplished something. And then that frees up capital for you to be able to snowball and put it on the next one. So the saints of God that that come to our churches, they, they they need to be thinking like this. Instead of pulling it out and digging deeper, they need to be thinking about, let's go in the opposite direction. There's just a psychological advantage to that. Number three is to increase your income. And there's a lot of ways to do that, and I won't dwell on that, but you can do some side jobs, you can do some side what they call hustles, flipping things for profit, learn a new skill set. had a great conversation with Brother Ramsey last night about uh, a business idea. I thought it was a fantastic, great business idea that he's got going on. So that's another way to create some money room. And I think probably just most pastors in here are, are bivocational, especially AAC pastors you know, they're bivocational anyway. So just, just a way to cut expenses, you know, increase your income just a little bit. And here's a tip from my wife. Uh, <laughs> widget stores are hard to make. It's hard to make it if you've got a widget store, right? If, you, if, you, if all you do is sell candles, it's hard to make it. It's hard to sell a bunch of candles on a Monday, Monday at 11 a.m. But she says if you can find a service that people can't do themselves or don't want to do themselves you got a win-win situation there yeah, yeah. right a service that uh, candles or widgets are hard to sell but the services that people can't do or don't want to do sell themselves yeah. so that's a way to increase your income number four is to budget people don't want to do this they don't like to do this i'm not going to dwell on it but if you track your spending for one month you it will blow your mind it will absolutely blow your mind how much money is going out the door because of that and number five And pastors, I want you to think about this now. Is build an emergency fund, okay? Think about your people. I I read this the other day that 64% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. 64% of the people that go to your church on average are living paycheck to paycheck. That's uh, uh, six and a half people out of ten. And that kind of reminds me of uh, Andy talking to Opie uh, about, about... That half a boy, (laughs) one and a half boys or something like that. And Opie said, I've never seen half a boy, Paul. He said, it's not half a boy, son. I'm talking about a ratio. He said, poor Horatio.
3: Poor Horatio.
0: (laughs) Six and a half people out of ten that go to your church are living paycheck to paycheck. And listen, it's hard to be generous, Brother Vasquez, if you're living paycheck to paycheck. It is. A presidential candidate on the Democratic ticket, Robert Kennedy Jr., I, I heard him say this the other day, 57% of Americans could not get their hands on $1,000 in case of an emergency. Over, over 50%, 57%. Now, it's, pastors, think about this. Is it hard to be generous when you appeal to your, to your people to be generous about this need if they can't get their hands on $1,000? If anything disruptive happens in, in people's lives that are, do, are living like this, tires, a dryer, a refrigerator, whatever, sickness, there's nowhere to go but bad debt. That's the only place to go. So build an emergency fund. Okay, moving really quickly. The next thing I want to give you is some, something I think is very important. Uh, th- these are accounting terms, but we'll break this down. What are assets and what are liabilities? Assets and liabilities. Simply defined an asset is something that puts money in your pocket a liability is something that takes money out of your pocket so obviously we want to acquire assets and avoid liabilities as much as we can so here are some examples of some assets that you can take your money that you pay yourself there are things that pay interest like treasury bills treasury bonds treasury notes certificates of deposit told brother art on the way over here today uh, a little advertisement flashed up when i logged into my bank account flashed up said 11 month cd five and a half percent well if if i have kept a, if i've paid myself then that money is going to be making money yeah right yep. so you think about that and, and as that stacks as you pay yourself and that money's paying you money things begin to stack up yeah. there are stocks that you can buy there's exchange traded funds that you can buy that pay dividends pay distributions Uh, uh, and this is new over the last couple of years but there are high income high yielding income investments that are simply designed to these people in these high-rise buildings up in new york they figured out ways to just throw off income with investments they're not worried about it growing they're not worried about that they're just worried about every month throwing off income so those things are available Uh, real estate produces rental income small businesses produce profits and over time, assets will begin to compound and become perpetual income machines for you or for the people <coughs> in your church. And I guess here's, here's probably the most important thing that, about this that goes with what Brother Voskis is talking about, which is, is the most important thing, and Brother Art tied right together with it, the mission. But when you begin to pay yourself and acquire assets that create income for you, here's what happens. It frees up some of your time. Right? So instead of 40 hours where I can't even have my phone with me to answer a text or pray for somebody because I don't know about it, instead of doing that, you know, I'm I'm, I'm compounding things so that some of my time is free. Especially pastors that are bivocational. Right? You want to be able to free up that time. So most people trade time for income. That's the only way they know to do it. I'm going to trade my time. I'm going, to trade, I'm going to sleep about 30 hours a week or whatever, or 40 hours. I'm going to work about 40 hours, and I'm going to have about a third of my life left to do what I want to do. And they trade their time for income. And, and time is the most valuable asset we have. And, and the only way people know to do it is trade their time for the money. And it's so important so important, brother, or to realize that income can be leveraged by assets. Income can be leveraged. And let me let me just kind of uh, let me just explain this a little bit. So if if all we do is work and trade our time, okay, that's all right. But if we can all of a sudden pay ourselves and then and then buy something that pays us interest or dividends, then I've got my time plus my interest in, in my dividends, or I've got my time plus my rental income. Or I've got my time plus my small business profit and so forth and so on. And before long, you know, that begins to add up. And what happens is you eventually will be able to take your time out of that equation. Right? So it's not now, it's not my 40 hours plus, but as that stacks up, you'll be able to pull yourself out of that and do what's most important to you, spend time in your ministry and with your family. (laughs) praise god somebody say praise the lord praise the lord here are some examples of liabilities well i don't know maybe i shouldn't do that because I'm, I'm down here and i'm down here in god's country uh, things that take money out of your pocket i'll tell you what i won't tell you i won't give you exactly but i'll, I'll tell you what it starts with and maybe what it rhymes with uh, so it starts with a b and rhymes with goat uh, takes money out of you don't get mad at me now you know, and, and and it rhymes with hamper starts with a C.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Just ends up finding a way to take money out of your pocket, you know. But don't don't get mad at me over that kind. I know I'm in God's country, right? So follow me real close here as we move quickly on. The game plan is to, to take the money that you pay yourself and use that money to buy assets that put more money in your pocket. Eureka. That's a good plan. That's a good plan. That's after you give God His part and after you give offerings to the church. And if you think, well, that, that that sounds pretty good, but that's impossible. I want you to know it's not impossible. You can start doing what I'm talking about with very small pieces of money. How small, Brother Vickers? $10. You can start with $10. You can start with $20. And I believe everybody here and probably everybody that goes to your church can get started paying themselves and buying an asset for as little as ten dollars wow. absolutely Amen. <clears throat> um, there are some sophisticated investment vehicles that are out there right now um, i mentioned five and a half percent on a cd just a f- few moments ago if anybody's interested brother art and i was talking about this on the way over here there are some investment vehicles now that are designed just to throw off monthly income that are doing 15, 20, 25, 30, and even higher percent. Now, that's crazy. I know it don't make a lick of sense, but it's happening, and that's why a lot of people are getting, getting, making a lot of money, because they understand that. So we, if anybody wants to know about that, I'll talk to you about that privately.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want to be a
0: landlord, which most people don't, most pastors ain't got time to worry about the roof, take the call in the middle of the night, you know about this or that and the other. If you don't want to do that, there's something called real estate investment trusts, that can be bought in in shares. And here's the cool thing, in order for them to have that status as a real estate investment trust with the federal government, they are required by law to pay 90% of their taxable profits to their shareholders. And they own things like hospitals, commercial warehouses, storage facilities, so forth and so on, and you can buy a share of that, and they have to pay you 90% as a shareholder of their taxable profit. You You don't have to worry about the call in the middle of the night. But you can still, still be a property owner. Again, $20 will do that, right? Okay. Uh, the third thing is, most people I think know this, but let me throw it out there, that if there's a company that you spend a lot of money at, like Walmart or Exxon, whatever, you can also purchase stock in those companies. If you're, if you're tired of, of putting $150 debit on your, on your account when you leave Walmart, you can buy Walmart stock, and then Walmart takes their profits and send you a dividend check quarterly. You say, well, I don't have enough money to buy a share of Walmart or Exxon. Doesn't matter. If you open up the right kind of brokerage account, you can buy what's called a fractional share. You can buy it in, in whatever dollar amount you want to buy. You can buy $10 worth of Walmart or $10 worth of Home Depot if you want to. So that's out there available for us. So here, here's the key takeaway from everything I've said so far. Here's the key takeaway. You can buy income every single week, pay yourself, you can take that money, and you can buy income, and then you stack that. Does that make sense? Yeah, sir. Yeah. Amen, amen. Yeah. And you, you know, You don't have to be thinking, all I can do is trade my time for money. You don't have to think sure. that way. I'm going to give you my uh, my perspective on this. This is going to get just spiritual for just a second here. I try my best. I don't always do it. I fail sometimes. But I try my best to live for God and work with God like he's coming back this afternoon. Yeah. That, that's how I think, Brother Batson. I, I want to live for him and I want to work with him. It's why I'm here, Brother Yardichek. That's why we're here. We're working with God today. Yes. That's why we're here. And... Um, but I also want to work and plan like he's not coming back in my lifetime. That's just my perspective on it. And here here's, think about this. I want to be a generous person. I want to be a generous person. I want to be able to be a generous person. That's more important than wanting to be. I can want to be all I all I want to, but if I'm not able to. So, so what, what, what God is saying to us today is, is, is watch things very closely. Be smart and put yourself in a position so that you can be generous. I want to be generous at my home church. When we go to general conference and they need something done on the foreign mission field or we need something done for an adopt-a-city right. pastor, I want to be able to be generous. Yeah. Yeah. And and pastors, listen. I can't. I'm speaking as your saint now. I can't be generous at your request if I'm not prepared to be. That's why it's important for this. This is this is not a main topic at your church, but this is a this is a very much an important sidebar subtopic that that needs to be addressed and needs to be talked about. Amen. That that is my perspective on it. So coming down to a close here. Um. Some of these things I, want, I don't. Investing is important, but I know I know a lot of you've had bad experiences in. It. It's kind of scary because there's a fear of loss and there's a fear of the unknown. But it's very <coughs> important, and and anybody absolutely can get started today, and you can do it with a very little bit of money. You can do it very slowly, and you can do it very cautiously. It can happen today. Uh, now, I want to end up with a, a, a real-world story about, about my life, okay? Um, I want to finish up with this. I was born in 1964, Brother Allen, and in 1965, Warren Buffett acquired Berkshire Hathaway in 1965. So, if my father would have purchased $1,000 worth of Berkshire Hathaway stock... In 1965, and give it to me at my first birthday. If he would have done that, in 1965, Class A shares of Berkshire Hathaway were selling for $19 a share, which means I would have owned at my first birthday party. My dad would have said, "Here's 52 shares of Berkshire Hathaway. Happy birthday!" I looked up the value of those shares. Um, Just I shouldn't have done that. Well, you don't know whether my dad got it for me or not. Uh, so I looked up the value just the other day of what those shares were worth. $542,000. Each. Each. In my lifetime, if my father would have been prudent enough to buy me $1,000 worth of Berkshire Hathaway stock for my first birthday, I would now be worth $28 million. $1,000 in my lifetime. Twenty. 8 million. Did my dad buy me those? Nope.
1: <laughs>
0: Unfortunately, no. But that is, the, that is a great example of the time value of money. Okay, the time value of money. And I'll close with this. Um, Albert Einstein talking about compound interest, and we all understand that in the terms of momentum, but he said about compound interest, he who understands it earns it. He that doesn't understand it pays it. Yeah. Right. All right. So we, we want to try our best to be on the earning side of the eighth wonder of the world. It's what Albert Einstein called compound interest, the eighth wonder of the world. Um, so I've got an article that I wrote um, that if anybody's interested in some more details on some of these things, if you'll give me your email, I'll send you that, um, that little article. And so uh, I'll open up for questions if anybody has. You may not, but if anybody has a question at all. Can I just make one bold comment here? I want you to forget everything that he just taught, and I want you to spend, 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 because I own a commercial collection agent. I don't have business with you down the road. (laughs) You you, you as an economic fatality will generate income for Brother Art. Yes, ma'am.
1: questions okay um are there any specific resources classes or materials uh, for example for someone that would want to learn these principles from scratch or to be taught to a group of people who are those economic fatalities you know um i've seen other ministry resources outside of you know our associations that before they will get any type of financial assistance they require you to take budgeting classes or financial responsibility. Um, the statistics on that I've seen have been pretty impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, and Before I came into the church, I was able to participate in one. But like you said, good stewardship is not something that is, it's taboo. Um, are there any specific like coursework or anything that you regularly know of that would be a good thing to get a hold of and teach and share?
0: Okay, so I'll say this to you. Um, I have learned a lot from YouTube if you, anything can be learned how, you can learn how to do basically anything, but you gotta, you know, you gotta be careful what you're, what you're gathering up. But you know, whatever that basic question is that you've got about finances, whatever it might be, you can probably do a, a YouTube search and start hearing what people's opinions are and then distilling that down to what makes sense yeah. to you and what you see or, or find it to be truthful. Okay, so there's a lot of other places too, but that's free. You know and you can do that at any time and there is an unlimited amount of resources on YouTube about finances financial health and financial planning and budgeting and all those things do you have a second question yes okay.
1: and um, for someone that is completely foreign to the ideas of investing side hustles um, are there any specific side hustles or types of investments you highly absolutely just hard-pressed recommend against against yes um, <laughs> that's a that's a good side hustle <laughs> drug, dealing. drug dealing no i yeah
0: no i um, uh, i think um well, let's let's talk about that afterwards we, we can spend some time talking no no no, no. It's, it's it's a question that that would require some discussion uh, but anything that's ethical that you understand, I uh, use Walmart as a because we get our groceries and we get our light bulbs and everything at Walmart, and to be able to purchase that, you know, at and uh, incrementally and and then, um, uh, but uh, you know, there, you can you can buy stock in gambling uh, outfits, well, that, or or, or Anheuser Busch or something like that. So that's unethical. I wouldn't do anything like that. But if it's a wholesome company that sells lumber for houses, Home Depot or something like that, and we're going there and we're writing a check pretty often, those are good things. But there's there's a lot of things to talk about. Well
3: I, I do like the question though. Yes. You asked a question about what you wouldn't recommend side hustles. And I think to me it's about priorities. Mm-hmm. When we start chasing the side hustle when we chase the mission. Right. right. You know, I always set priority as my mission's the number one thing and the Lord will help me with the side money to, yes. to make the mission is as, as long as I keep the mission focused, he'll bless Right. Our side jobs yeah. yes We're searching for those my barbershop i own it's a blessing from god but my priority is the mission above the barbershop and that barbershop yeah. is what god gives me to make money each week but my priority is I, I'm, I want to bless the kingdom of god so that's how it works but that's a great question mm-hmm. but i think it's all prioritizing kingdom of god first if i'm going to chase yeah. after the money i'm going to chase the kingdom and then he'll yeah. supply the money yeah.
0: seek yeah. you first the kingdom of god right yeah. And all these things will be added unto you, but you don't find God putting a bag of money on your doorstep very often.
3: Right. Yeah. Sometimes. Uh, my question is, is obviously on the personal level, but as a church structure, it would there be like one or two things to help um, a church? Because is the main finance tithes and mm-hmm. offerings, and um, how else? What are some other ideas that people are growing there? church income to help them do more outreaches or do their missions, any any help. Well there? if if
0: you're if you're you know asking for specific things, uh, that, that's a little tricky, but but I could say that if we if we're trying to do what Brother Art is talking about and, and Brother Foskis is talking about today, then that base of givers and tithe payers grows which allows our church to receive more income, which in turn we can take some of that money and you invest it in the kingdom you know, to, make, to, to bring more disciples in. So it's all about disciples, as you well know, I'm, you know. You know better than I do. It's all about disciples and the mission, but, but as, that, as that base of disciples grow, so does the income. And I know some churches, they don't take any risks with money, but if they've got some building fund money, or they got something set aside, they'll buy a CD Rather than let that money sit for 0.55 in a money market account, they'll put it in a CD and make five and a half. That's prudent. and That's wise to do that. Um, uh, so I think I think when it comes to God's money, you got to be you know we got to be really really careful more so than we would be with our own finances, which we might take a little bit of more of a, a calculated risk.
3: Right? Brother Ramsey, uh, I think to add to that, uh, oftentimes states will give grants, especially if you have a recovery program. Uh, If you have a, uh, if you start the nonprofit out of the church. uh, So for instance, in the city of Clawson, we have the Clawson Community Coalition promoting a drug-free Clawson. Uh, They give about $45,000 for the year to be used for uh, addiction uh, recovery or to be used for wellness. You have the ability as the director to choose... those funds are allocated so yeah if the activity is taking place at the church you can essentially pay for that space and pay for the materials that will be used for for such things so uh, there's money that will be there that kind of helps alleviate that uh, a little bit and I've learned this just in the last little while and the other pitfall that I've noticed more often than not is just because something is interest-free doesn't mean it's the best purchase to make uh, even if you can span it out over 24 months, I, I've noticed, you know, Apple with their new card. Hey, get this card and in 0% interest for, you know, the life of you buying that phone. But uh, again, you're, you're still going to end up losing money in the end. They're creating the idea that you're always going to try to get the new thing because you can get it interest free. Sometimes it helps doing a balance transfer to a card for 18 months to alleviate paying, I think, the average credit card interest has increased on the apr from 28 to about 32 percent it's amazing 32 percent and are even for youth our young people so eager to get a credit card so eager to go and take their girlfriend or whatever out on a date not realizing that that card is going to be the financial pitfall that they're just going to have to kind of keep working so uh that's that's
0: great great input right there And, and and i do know Cause we have rental properties and we in, in in sullivan county where i live we have we have grant money that's been given to different police people and, and uh, uh to get to help with assistance and i know they've got thousands it's, it's just unbelievable how much money they're, they're they're throwing money at us as landlords uh, they, they've got to spend it so the, so what uh, i think to, to go on top of what he's saying if you could find somebody in your county there that understands how to write grants that you could talk to personally and say, okay, I want to do this. Is there money available? And I've been told if you're trying to help somebody, they'll find a grant, they'll create a grant, because there's a lot of federal money that's yeah, floating so. around out there right now. So that'd be that'd be one way to, to do what, you know, go back to your first question. Just on, on the subject of entrepreneurship,
3: um, two of my best friends are both WPM pastors in the Memphis area, Caleb yeah. and Tim Adams. They do a conference called BAM.
0: Business and missions. Wow. And they teach people in their church. It's the model that, that Bishop Holmes did in North Little Rock, where they teach people in their church to be successful for the mission. Yeah. And they have a conference. It's I think it's in April of 24 that if you want to go to it, but you can go back and, and get the sessions for 23. Okay. Uh, Great.
2: I, get, I text him, and if they send me the dates, I'll, I'll let you guys know. Yeah. That's, that,
0: that, that's, I mean, that is again uh, what what brother vascus preached to us this morning we've been talking that that's the autobahn i mean we're yeah. racing down that highway trying to fulfill that but but there are i mean we got to get off sometimes and, and get some yeah, gas yeah. Yeah, yeah. right so that we can get back up on the autobahn and keep doing the work <laughs> <Yeah>. sister vicki <laughs>
2: How did, you, how did you all do it with your kids to to create financially responsible children from a young age, where they don't yeah. hear you like I heard my dad, right. and it, it really had impact on their
0: lives. Well, with my boys, I I was doing personal study, and and they we we work they work at my office, and. So they were watching me, and then they would they would say, "What are you doing?" You know, we, and I would be able to talk to them about it. It really all boils down to having a discussion when they're ready. Like you might not have been ready to receive that, but there is there is something, and I'll use this word loosely, addicting about actually being able to save some money, yeah. paying off some debt, saving some money. All of a sudden, what you what you used to get a dopamine hit from by spending, you get that same injection of. Excitement when you see your finances climbing, but I I think that it's uh, Pastors becoming a little less reluctant to actually have some subtopic conversations in the church about these things and, and be excited about it and show the benefits of it and, and the catastrophe of, of the opposite side and, and Before I sit down let me just add one more thing and I know that that um, many of you will, will be able to concur with this uh, you probably know uh, a pastor or pastors that that have we we all preach the Lord is coming back soon. Uh, it's been preached all my life, and I preach it myself. He's coming back soon, and I've and we have seen pastors that that have not worried about doing uh, some things personally uh, in anticipation of the rapture going to happen, and then them become older, and then they they can't they don't have the means to walk away from the church and they have to hang on and they're old and they're getting sicker and, and you know, kind of moving into the twilight years of life, but having to hang on to the church and the church is kind of suffering because of the lifeblood. And so, again, I think that the church needs to um, find a way to, to get this subject off the taboo list and more of the important list. And, and yeah. those things will begin. Think about this. If a pastor gets to the end of his life and, he's, and the church has helped him, right? The church has helped him save and take care of that for him, then he can, when he's ready and there's a new man of God, there could be a transition and the church can thrive and go on and he can enjoy the twilight without having, you know what right. I'm saying. Right. Brother Vasquez, we've seen, we've seen that many, many times. And, and I think that, that with some education and some thought process in the church on this topic, that that can be helped i hope i hope sure. did i hope i did. Thank